again, it's awareness of wanting to slow down. So what you're saying is it's a practice and it takes time. It's not going to just happen overnight. But once you start going into this mindfulness, this whole world of beauty really opens up to you, like the beauty of the space, the beauty of a walk. Welcome to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, I like the the emphasis you put on a different syllable. And you time. have to change it up, right? You know what I mean? Channel you, your inner girl boss. Maybe we like kind of like, yeah, I like it. We, you, us. After three years, like, we got to just keep it spicy around here. Yeah, I well, know. Today, I try. Today, we're going to keep it spicy because we have a really fun guest. I want you all to meet Jennifer Walsh, the trailblazing entrepreneur and thought leader in the realms of wellness, beauty, and retail. So Jennifer has always been a visionary and an architect of these categories, creating her proprietary beauty bar concept in 1998 that acted as the first omni-channel beauty brand in the U.S. and introduced flocks of people to niche beauty brands in a creative way. But it was walking that changed it all for Jennifer. Walking? All right, stick with me. So Jennifer began to realize that the rampant rate of stress and anxiety was everywhere and the power of nature to heal it was incredible. She also realized that walking outdoors in nature, as well as bringing the outdoors indoors through something called biophilic design, was her gift to give. She began creating bespoke recharge rooms that whisked clients away to zen-like realms while her back-to-nature programs infused businesses, hotels, homes, and schools with the wonders of the natural world. I came to know Jen through her Walks with Walsh, which is her daily wellness walks where she spreads the joy of strolling amidst scenic landscapes. And in fact, we met doing just that. So we were both invited on a media trip to explore a new resort. It was just outside of New York City. And we spent the weekend trudging through miles of scenic wooded trails. We were gliding around bucolic landscapes on bicycles. I'll admit I was on an e-bike, so I was kind of cheating, but it was still beautiful. (laughs) And we even got to try our hand at kayaking. And as a New York City girl, this was like kind of new for me. Like I'd spent most of my days walking around the concrete jungle. So I was immediately recharged by the ability to spend just two days engaging in these activities. And when I heard that's what Jen helps people do all the time, I immediately understood her mission. And then I found out she was also besties with our former co-host, Christine Bibbo Her, who's also, of course, a dear friend of the show. And I knew that we would eventually have to have her on to spread her wisdom. Her walking journal, Walk Your Way Calm, is a wellness handbook on how to use walking in nature as a potent tool for tackling stress and anxiety. Jennifer's dynamism extends to co-hosting the Biophilic Solutions podcast and doling out wellness wisdom as a sought-after speaker. When she's not conquering the business world, you'll find her conquering marathons, triathlons, and capturing stunning snapshots of nature through her camera lens. Listen to this show if you want to unlock the secrets of walking and biophilic design for a happier, healthier life. You're a nature lover trapped in the concrete jungle seeking practical advice on how to bring the benefits of walking and biophilic design into your urban lifestyle, or you're searching for a natural remedy to alleviate stress and boost your creativity. All right, gals, I can't believe we're like actually hopping on together today. Now, 
this is going to be released obviously a little bit after today but today is that crazy day where all of new york city and then the surrounding areas are under this air quality alert because of the wildfires from canada and guys how is it affecting you are you okay i'm in pennsylvania but heidi you're in connecticut and jen you're on the upper east side yeah i mean so this was in connecticut and it's funny because jen i was talking to our mutual very good friend christine who was one of the og otgers yesterday and she was like yeah i'm gonna go for a run and i was like what no are you gonna go for a run because And she was like, oh, maybe I should rethink that. And I was like, yes, you should rethink that. And I was telling her how literally for a week, because in New Canaan, Connecticut, we've been having air quality alerts for since last Monday. So audience, we record these shows on a Wednesday. So for a week and a half here in Connecticut, we've already had air quality alerts. And I was really concerned about my parents because my dad has always had asthma, but they're on the water in Rhode Island. So the water really helps Mm -hmm. move things through. So I'm shocked that New York being an island is getting so badly hit. It's wild. It really is wild. I'm so glad you're saying that because you're right, because we kind of look at like, oh, it's smog because we live in New York City, but this is so much more than smog. The particulate matter is so dense right now. And these particulates will not only just get into your lungs, but they get into your bloodstream and they settle in. So yeah. there's like long-term damage here. And you're right, like being on an island, you'd think the wind or something would the kind water. of like help it move through, but it's just, it's so powerful and so strong. And there's so many fires in Canada. It's, this is surreal. This is yeah. absolutely, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. There was a tweet with one of those like sepia looking pictures of Manhattan this yes. morning that like five people sent me. I'm like, I don't live there anymore, but. <laughs> um, You're like, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. And it says New York City now has the worst air quality of any city on earth. If exposed oh to the current air quality in New York City for 24 hours, it would be the equivalent to smoking six cigarettes. Yeah. That's what I heard oh, this morning. Well, so Jennifer, let's start here because. Here we are interviewing you about all of the amazing things you've done. I mean, obviously you're like a visionary in the beauty world and retail, but most like recently, I guess. And why I really wanted to talk to you today is your fascination with walking, biophilic design, bringing the outdoors in and helping people manage their stress and anxiety and just their outer surroundings and their inner world. Through all of that, that's your specialty. So I, I, I kind of want to start there. Like, how are you doing? Not really being able to go outside right now. Are you okay? Oh I know. God. I mean, it's crushing me. I can't imagine what it's doing to you. <laughs> my lungs hurt sitting inside. I'm, I'm healthy, whatever. But you're right. Like, I can't believe we're talking today because this is so surreal. That this is like what, what I talk about is getting people outdoors for health and well-being and brain health. And it is really painful for me to tell people not to go outside. I've never yeah. done that before in my entire life to right. tell people not to go out. But do you hear like? our friend Christine like oh I'm gonna go for a run and I'm now screaming from the mountaintops please don't go outside for a run please don't work out outside do everything indoors and it's just hard for me to say that but it's true like when the conditions are this bad we have to be careful it was like the beginning of COVID when we were like wait how do we like you know what I mean because like you are supposed to wear a mask if you are going to go outside and that was what like I wound up again on like steroids and inhalers last week because Mm -hmm. it was my kids field day and then we were out on the field for this so I was outside all day when it first hit here and it's dangerous 
Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, so eventually that will get better and we will yes. all be able to go back outside again and everything yes. will go back to normal, <laughs> as normal as anything is in this world right now. Exactly. So we, <laughs> I want to kind of bring this back to your area of expertise, Jennifer, because I want to know what kind of sparked your initial fascination with the power of walking and biophilic design. Like, was there a specific moment or an experience that really ignited your passion for these topics? So I've been in beauty for 25 years, and that's always been the beauty and wellness have always lived hand in hand together for me. But it really wasn't until seven years ago or eight years ago when I started this Walk with Walsh video series where I wanted to interview people outdoors when we walked about what it meant to be a healthy leader. And honestly, Jamie, that's when every time I did this interview, a walking interview, every person I interviewed said, you know, this felt so good. I never get outside. Mm. Every single person I thought, that's so interesting. How do you not go outside? I mean, I live in New York City and I, got, I had a dog at the time and I'd walk my dog, you know, an hour or two every day. So I always got outside. So I just thought it was really strange. So I started reading because I love research and I just like, dove head first into being like, okay, there's something to this. We know it feels good. We know we feel great when we spend time outdoors, but why is no one doing it? Or people were saying, I'll do it on the weekends. I'll go outside on the weekends or I'll go outside on vacation. And that fascinated me. And that's when I really dove hard into understanding and the science of nature on our bodies and nature on the brain. And it really, it changed the trajectory of my life because I always knew it was there. I've been an outdoors person my whole life. I've been a runner since I was seven years old. So I've always been outside. And then even with going back to Beauty Bar, when I started Beauty Bar, it was always bringing natural elements indoors. So that's the kind of biophilic design. And people back then in 1998 were telling me I was doing my stores all wrong that I, sh- I should have a pink store that should have chandeliers. And I thought, no, I want this for men and women. Um, so it was an interesting kind of like following that thread or like pulling the thread or like that onion peel and like discovering more things about beauty that are all connected. Beauty, wellness, nature, like this triad really of how we feel in our spaces and places in our own bodies. I love that. And this is Heidi for anybody who can't see us. I wanted to hit on what you just said, the biophilic design. Did I just say that right? Yes, absolutely. So what can you define that for our listeners, please? And then maybe tell us all like why it has such a magical effect on creating spaces that bring out our inner zen. (laughs) Sure. So biophilia is our innate connection to living things like all life. So we are biophilic by design. Human beings are like these creatures that want to be in spaces that make us feel good and thrive innately we love to be around places that make us feel good it's just a part of our dna and biophilic design is bringing that nature or natural elements or these things that we love indoors so think about plants and everyone's talking about bringing plants inside for you know for air health um and also like lighting so think about our lighting every day how much lighter we getting and it's very odd to feel my apartment being orange it's just this but anyway it's so weird right? um, it's so weird so like aspects of light what kind of fabrics are we using to be more texturized because we are tactile humans so when we're sitting at our desk all day not around anything other than like metal or steel we're not getting that tactileness that makes us feel human so it's really important to think about biophilic design of these spaces and places that comfort us, that make us feel good, uh, that bring us back to like this home sense because we evolved outdoors for millennia. And it wasn't only until the industrial revolution is when we had this great migration indoors. And that's when our, our um, lives really changed. We really changed in a different way. And we have to, our brains haven't been able to keep up with the changes that we've been making and especially in the past hundred years. Are fountains part of that? Sorry, I had to ask yes. you. <laughs> Yeah. No, yes, water. Oh my gosh, water is a huge part of that. Because so water is my element. Like, That's why I was asking. Oh yeah, 
Water's a huge part of it, even animals. So our association to even like seeing birds or if we see plant life, even frogs or like creatures, it's a big part of biophilic design is how we interact with animals around us every day too, because they're so good for our well-being every single day. Absolutely. I just did an event where I had, Heidi knows this, I partnered with this awesome service called Paul Raid that got me my dog, mm. but I just Aww. partnered with them for a neuroscience and mental wellness event that I hosted in Orlando because I learned that dogs have the Schumann resonance. They are 7.83 Hertz is where their brain naturally resonates. And mm. so when we say that being around dogs makes us feel more grounded and it's healing, it's not just like anecdotal, like, oh, I like them. It's like, no, no, no. You're actually vibing with their brain frequency. And that was yes. fascinating to me. That is so interesting. What you're talking about, I love that too, because I've always loved nature. I've always understood, like I felt it in my bones, even when I had beauty bar and in my running days and walking. Um, and we'll get to the walking part, but I wanted to partner with scientists and neuroscientists because it's one thing to say, yes, it feels great. Yes, I know innately it feels good, but I wanted the science to back it up. So I partnered with some neuroscientists out of UPenn, Center for Neuroaesthetics. Um, so, and I have a great uh, neuroscientist there that I adore and I work with a lot. And then there's a place in Sarasota called the Brain Health Initiative. And I'm a faculty advisor there as well. And they are a living lab under a Harvard and Mass General. So they're doing this great work around walking and nature and the impacts of, of both of those on the brain. And it's really, again, we've kind of put up these four walls around us from things that innately make us feel good because we always think it should cost a lot of money or it should be something. But like just like you just said about the dog and the brain waves, we are interconnected to other living things. And we just put our walls up saying, oh, no, no, that's not real. But it's so powerful. It's really we have to give ourselves the grace to understand and be like, yeah, I, there's a reason that feels good. It's a resonance within us that we've kind of stifled. And I think it's important. I think COVID was that silver lining to let us feel more open to sh sharing like why that feels good to us. And, and there's real resonance to that. It's important. Couldn't agree more. So I have a question. I love that you're like the high level gal, like you're doing the research, you're in there with the scientists, and then you're also the on the ground girl that can give us the actual tips and tricks. Mm. I want to understand like, yeah, it sounds really lovely. For instance, I'm in my home office right now and I've been able to integrate, you can see like, you know, different types of plants and greenery around me. I integrate an idea of biophilic design into my little home office. But many times when we are in more of an industrialized space, maybe say a school or a more sterile feeling office, do you have any small tips and tricks to incorporate these ideas into the space or maybe something even aesthetic or tactile that could just be like a quick fix to kind of ground you back into that feeling? Yeah, there are there's so many that are really interesting, all going back to biophilic design and also plays into neurodiversity too, because so many more people are becoming more not neurodivergent, whether it be ADHD, autistic, there's so many different things. So this tactileness and the sound even. So even when we think about our homes being these places where sometimes it can be sterile or sometimes they can be very warm, but even the sounds that we have in our homes impact how we feel throughout the day. They impact our biomarkers in our bodies, which is fascinating. So I do, when I'm here in my New York City apartment, I have my <laughs> I have YouTube on my TV and I'll play like songs of the ocean, a river, sounds of the rain, because again, any kind of nature sound really calms the nervous system, which is it's something that we're not even thinking about. It's already innately within us. We just we're not thinking, oh, there's birds outside. I can hear the bird song. It's like 
bird songs are there, but it calms us and relaxes us. And it's really interesting. Even Jamie, if you have a photograph of nature in your home, a po photo, a poster, whatever it might be, that's of nature, or even looking out the window, just looking at it for 40 seconds relaxes the prefrontal cortex. So even if you're having a stressful day, you're looking at your computer and you're just, you're, you're just too much, it's an overload, you know, take a step back, relax for a second, look out the window, look at a photograph, look at something that's beautiful, natural setting, 40 seconds is all it takes to relax again, that prefrontal cortex to put you in a different space of, okay, I need to just be calm. And there's also something called art, which is called attention restoration theory, because we're so focused on so many tasks at a time. We're always like doing so many different things. But if we can, again, step away from the computer, you have some beautiful greenery behind you. If you've got like a beautiful spot on your couch, that's again, that tactileness, it's good texture. You've got some great smells in your house or your apartment that are more natural, lavender trees, lavender plants, and just kind of put in that space, you're looking at something other than work. And that attention restoration theory will give you that ability to continue to go back to work again. So if you can go for a walk around the block or walk the dog and just get out of our monkey brains for a few minutes and really helps us then recalibrate and feel refreshed, even if it's just for a few minutes every day. I love that. What are like, I mean, I hope this becomes a real big trend that everybody latches on to because it sounds, well, A, healthy, well, mm -hmm. and like, it just sounds like a really good direction to go. That's a great point, Heidi. That's a really good point. I really hope that it becomes our future. So <laughs> on that note, how do you envision the future of biophilic mm. design and its impact on our well-being? Like, are there any emerging trends or innovations in this field that you find exciting for you? Like for me, when you were talking about all that stuff, I'm like, I wonder if people are going to have like grass carpet someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so you yes. can, like feel the grounding. I don't Ooh. know. Like a, or a little like sandbox inside. That might be a little messy, but something. I like yes. that. No, it's so <laughs> true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I love this because I get excited every single day because there's so many more people talking about it. A lot of healthcare facilities are now implementing biophilic design, like gardens in the center. So Singapore is way ahead of us in the sense of biophilic design. So they are like decades ahead of us, even there. I think, is that because they're so polluted? Is that? Oh, I think, well, I know they were we've been studying this for a long time uh -huh. and uh -huh. Japan as well has been so far ahead of understanding like it, it's been polluted. And then the, the people there have been so overworked. They're just like grinding out kind of like many people in the country and the US yes. as well. But they've kind of taken these steps with like the forest registry and like people to kind of say, we need to have changes to the environment of like the city of Singapore. And so they've implemented a lot of protocols for new homes and for hospitals that every window needs to see something that's outdoors. So what you're talking about, like the, these great things that are these huge strides are happening. And I'm seeing it even like green roofs in New York. Uh, they're coming all over the country. But what I think what's really interesting, you guys will understand, we've never been taught this in school. Like I was never taught that nature was important, like different elements and what it does for the human body. So what I love is that I get to talk about it and I get to teach it. So it's really fun because it gets to like, we know innately, it's like, oh my God, yes, you're right, you're right. And so these hospitals are integrating these, like looking out a window. Um, there's this great cool study too that Dr. Roger, he wasn't a doctor, um, Roger Ulrich did in 1984, where they put like, two groups together in a hospital, gallbladder surgery, it was studies for years, gallbladder surgery. Some of these people were looking at a, um, like a brick wall after the recovery. And the other group would be looking out the window at like trees, plants, or water, whatever it might be. Those that looked out the window to nature 
were kinder to the nurses. They needed less medication and they got released faster than those that were looking at a brick wall. Like these little simple things, right? Yeah. And it's, you're just looking at it. Like that's like, they're not even literally going outside. They're just looking at it. We, Mm -hmm. the collaboration I do for Crossville Yoga called Crossville RX, which is your yoga prescription for burnout. It included this and there were so many studies to back it up that you can literally recharge your batteries just Mm -hmm. and the study that we talked about was just going outside for a few seconds but we also cited that study about recovery in hospitals i mean it's the power of nature in recovery is mind-blowing i think a lot of it wasn't talked about for a long time because you people want to put numbers on they want to quantify they want to make money from it because that's just the way of the world. So a lot of people don't talk about it because like, oh, how do we make how do we make money from it? Which is sad because nature is free and we have to protect it. So when I do these walks, a lot of my wellness walks, I always say that's my first line of education. So it's like an immersive experience to educate people on why it matters. And also I always say like you can't protect that which you don't understand, know, or love. And people aren't going outdoors to their own backyards to know like, oh, look at that cool tree. I know, Jamie, you were like out during the pandemic. I loved watching you and same thing with you, Heidi. Like you guys are out and about and really absorbing the natural world. I loved watching you guys the past few years um, do what you do outdoors. Because again, like you're experiencing and exploring your own backyards to know what's there. And once you care, that's when we start wanting to protect. And how do we protect? And we get involved in our local communities and policymakers and lawmakers and it changes people. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to what we were talking about in the beginning. You were telling us the story about taking the walks with Walsh and doing the interviews with all of these important people. So I want to talk about the connection between walking and nature and overall well-being. But I'm specifically interested in this, Jen, because here's what I think. I would love to hear some examples of executives or entrepreneurs or CEOs who have been directly affected by your work with them. Like, in other words, I think we all think we don't have enough time to take a walk or just to chill or just to enjoy nature or that it would be impactful. We feel like, oh, I don't have time to just indulge in that. I'm too busy. Mm. My to-do list, yada, yada. But I'd imagine it can positively impact your business's bottom line. So what do you think about that? Oh my gosh. Yay. Thank you so much for saying that. (laughs) Thanks for asking that. It's exactly. Okay. Let me back up because there's so many people that I would talk to and work with that would take time to go to yoga. They would go to fit class or hit class. I mean, and they would buy all the right food and they do all the right things. But when I talk about, let's go for like a walk. They're like, "Mm, I I don't, mm, it's kind of, they weren't working out in their own mind. They're like, Oh, but I wasn't getting that hardcore workout. And I'd always just say, that's not the point of this. The point of this kind of walk is really more a mindfulness practice. So how do we get into a practice of mindfulness, just even if it's 15, 20 minutes, it's more about taking the earbuds out for the walk, like go outside, take the earbuds out, which is really hard to do because we want to do podcasts, right? I know we want to podcast, which I love to do and, and music, but let's take the earbuds out so we can actually hear our own breath. We're much more understanding of the spaces that we're in so we can feel the people walking around us. We become much more self-aware. And also you get to hear like the things like the birds around you or like you start looking and noticing things around you much more profoundly once you become aware in these walks. And the walks are very simple, but I think it's, I call it a CEO superpower to become very aware of your body in a space or place, whether it be a busy street, whether it be in an office, but you become more empathetic too when you surround yourself with nature. You become this almost, nature really changes you because you become understanding of the simpleness of the life around you and also 
how that compacts and impacts everyone else around you. So the CEOs have changed. It's been really fun to watch their eyes become like wide open to say, you're right, it, it does affect the bottom line. So how am I going to be a better leader for my team? And then those team members become better leaders for their families and they become more healthy and understanding of the natural world around us and the little tiny creatures that depend on us. And like everything that's happening around the world, we all depend on each other to help one another and and think differently and, and, and change is not easy and it's it's time consuming and everyone has time for a simple walk. I always say, never underestimate the power of a simple walk outdoors for 15 minutes. It really, it, and again, it changes the brain as well as your biology. I feel like there's a lot of famous CEOs and business people who are known for yes. walking meetings, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Tim I, Cook or Steve yeah, Jobs, right. Steve Jobs is one, Barack Obama. I feel Obama. like Mickey Drexler too. Nikki Drexler, yes, yes. Mark Zuckerberg, all of them. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it's, I don't, it's not an accident that all these highly successful people have walking meetings. Yes. Right? And it's like this idea of like getting Murphy. up. Yes, Megan Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Murphy. Oh, yeah. Megan. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's this idea like, you know, they say sitting is a new smoking, but it's true. Like we're <laughs> so sedentary that yeah. we're, we forgot that our bodies are meant to move throughout the day and how much better we feel. I mean, you guys know better than anyone I know about how important and how impactful that that changes in the body when we can just get up and move a little bit. And that side by side, when you're walking with someone, instead of sitting almost not confrontational, but when you're sitting across from someone at a desk or at a conference room, there's a very different dynamic. And that neuroscience is very interesting too, because when we walk side by side, there's this cohesiveness between step, breath, and speech. So we are in this pattern of like movement and consolidating thoughts and openness that's very different than being in this kind of closed place. It's it's really powerful. So once people start getting to that practice of a walking meeting, it makes you want to do all your meetings walking outdoors because they are just so open and people are more up to like speak about things they might not want to do in a conference room or at a table one-on-one. It's really fascinating when I do these walks with people because they're much more open to each other and uh, with me as well. I love that. So When you were talking about, I want to circle back to when you were talking about the biophilic design and like incorporating nature into buildings and cities that are being built. Listen, when I lived in Manhattan, which was less than a year ago, I lived there for 20 years. Like I looked at buildings and then I was so mad because during the pandemic, somebody like somehow got onto the roof of a building directly across from my apartment. And and it was, I lived on Broadway, so it wasn't like right next to me, but you know, you could still see it. And they like did a gross graffiti and like... It wasn't even art. It was just gross. Mm. And it's just like, oh, I feel like that's like the opposite of seeing nature or seeing something ugly, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like seeing trash has yeah. got to be like the opposite. Yes. But so for all of those city dwellers of which Jamie and I used to be, they're obviously, I feel like everyone in the city craves a little slice of nature, but not everybody lives next to a park. So how can they still tap into the benefits of walking in nature when they're surrounded mm-hmm. by skyscrapers and taxi horns? Yeah, it's, um, and again, it's like this idea of just noticing the world around you. So I live on a very busy street in Manhattan, but I'm so much more aware of the trees that are around me. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a tree. Cause now I've been, so the past few weeks I've been living in my tent at the beach and I just came home and the trees are so full and they're so green and they're so, because again, we think about these trees are growing year after year after year and they become bigger and more beautiful and we get to live in what was planted like 100, 200 years ago. These trees are now in these beautiful spaces. So it's becoming more aware. Again, it's like this awareness of the beauty of the simple, the simple things. 
I love that. It's that it just I keep hearing that quote in my head. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. Oh my right? gosh, a hundred percent. And was it um Winston Churchill said we shape the buildings and then the buildings shape us? Yes. So how do we think about the spaces that we love to go to that make us feel so good? Like what are the elements that we're drawn to? Is it water? Do they have like a little water feature or there are wood features? And does it smell good? Does it smell like something that's like something from outside. And it's really interesting because this epigenetics is the fact that our spaces can make us well or unwell. So why are we there? Are we more aware, like what's making us feel good? Or like, are there sounds or like cold textures that are, that are turning us off and not wanting us to be there? I think that's why a lot of people aren't going back to the office all the time because the offices were cold and they were uncomfortable and they didn't make us feel warm and welcome. And now that's why we're changing our homes and our, our home offices to feel more like inviting. And there's something really interesting in biophilic design called prospect and refuge. So some of us will have that in our offices or our homes, but prospect and refuge and biophilic design. So biophilic design has 15 principles. They're easy to find. You can Google them. This guy named Bill Browning and a team of people created these over years. Um, and there are 15 attributes. Um, the 15th they just added was awe. So the, the aspect of awe and how that changes our bodies too and how we feel when we witness something beautiful. But I'll go back to the prospect and refuge, which is really cool because a lot of restaurants even incorporate this. So prospect and refuge is you think about that cool corner space in the restaurant where everyone wants because you're backed up against a wall, but you can see the entire restaurant. So that's because when we were, you know, millennia ago, we don't want things coming up from behind us and scaring us. We don't want the saber-toothed tiger coming and be like, Wah. so we want to know that there's nothing coming behind us. We're secure, but that prospect, we can see what's coming at us. So it's like, again, we're not thinking about this. It's just programmed in our DNA that this is what we crave and want. Um, so those, those biophilic principles and biophilic design is really interesting so we can incorporate that again in our home, in our office, in restaurants, um, really anywhere, anywhere we go. Fascinating. I've always been very into like, the energy of this seat doesn't feel right. Can we sit over there? And my husband's always like, what? What do you mean? Bless George's heart. Oh my God. I know, I know. Good George. We love George. But you know, I'll go in a movie theater and and I just, I have to like feel the energy of where I want to sit. And he's like, just sit and eat your snow cap already. And I'm like, no. No, no, Right? I mean, I'm vegan now, so I don't eat them, but that used to be my go-to with a little butter popcorn. Oh yeah, that was a vibe. But seriously, there's something to that. So I want to just go quickly back to mindfulness for a minute because I, you know, I love how you said, just take your AirPods out and be mindful. It's like, oh yeah, sure, Jen, I'll just be mindful. I'll just turn my brain off and relax and just really get present. That is probably the hardest thing for most people to do. And what I always tell my clients is that it is a practice. If you want to have Mm. amazing arms, you have to do bicep curls. If you want to cultivate unshakable confidence or an ability to be mindful and present and peaceful, that takes mental work and exercises. So can you tell us a little bit about the art of mindful walking? Like how can we cultivate a sense of presence and deepen our connection with ourselves and maybe the natural world around us by taking a walk and while we're taking a walk, what should we be thinking of? Yeah, you can even do this alone or with friends or colleagues or even like young ones in the family. And like you're like going back to what you were saying, it, it is hard because I think about when I started my first company and I had tons of employees and I had a stepson that was going into high school. There's like a lot of stuff happening around us all the time. So I've been only able to really work on this as I've grown older and I'm happy that I can talk about this now and share because I've been there and I know what that's like to have 
lots of components of things coming at you all the time. So this mindfulness has really taken me in my lifetime to understand and really cultivate. But like you just said, Jamie, it's, it's a practice. So everything we do has to be de dedicated to think about like, how do we become more aware of our bodies in a space? But what I talk about really becoming mindful in a walk is activating our senses. Because so often we don't activate our senses indoors. So we are, they say there's an atrophy of the senses happening because again, we're not listening to things. We're not smelling. Well, we're not smelling what's <laughs> beautiful about nature. We're not, and we're not touching things. So think about like touching a pine cone or a leaf and not realizing all these leaves, the biodiversity around us is so profound. So once we start really looking and, and smelling and touching and seeing and not being afraid to touch things, that becomes this new awareness of like, wow, I didn't know this was here. Like for me, I spent how many years here? I grew up here and I moved away, but then my walking practice changed for me just running every day. Once I started walking and slowing down, that's when I was like, oh, I didn't know ginkgo trees were all over New York City. How did ginkgo trees get here? But I always knew they're beautiful. These, you know, in November when they'd be like yellow lined trees or streets. But this, again, this awareness of wanting to slow down. So what you're saying is it's a practice and it takes time. It's not going to just happen overnight. But once you start going into this mindfulness, this whole world of beauty really opens up to you. Like the beauty of the space, the beauty of a walk. And for me, I have a twin sister that is profoundly disabled and she's uh, in a wheelchair and she's never been able to walk. So when I would do my races and marathons, I always said I'd run for both of us. And I do the same thing for the walk because it's for both of us. Like I get to see things that she'll never be able to see. So I always say it's always double the pleasure because I get to do it with two hearts instead of just one. Mm. So I think this mindfulness goes to the space of how do we just feel gratitude? And I think that blossoms and grows when we have that mindfulness. So I'm at the beach and just seeing a sunrise the other day, my heart like swelled and I'm like get teary eyed thinking about it because it's beautiful moments, right? There are these awe moments that really change us because we become more aware and we realize how fleeting life is and how lucky we are to be here. No matter our health situation or our family situation, these like little micro doses of gratitude give us the strength to kind of really move on through the rest of the day because sometimes our days are so heavy and they're so tough and they're scary and whatever, we're all going through different things. So this mindfulness really practice really helps us move through life in a different way with our heart in a space of gratitude for what we have at that very moment. I love that. And as you were speaking, that whole answer, uh, right up until the moment you said gratitude, all I kept thinking was like, I'm like, this is like training for gratitude practice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Just noticing yeah. things. I feel like that's so much more attainable mm -hmm. for the general population who might not be spiritual or into yoga or into air quotes, mindfulness. I feel like most people can notice things and then mm -hmm. maybe they can graduate to gratitude, which I think is yes. an amazing Yeah, the noticing. Your eyes get yeah. opened. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you get to have fun with the kids doing it too. So you're like, yes. oh my gosh, what is that bug? Let's see yes. if that bug. Like, what is that? Except for my city thing? kids would scream bloody oh. murder, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> They have, know, they right? were in New York City for for the bulk of their life. They have not even been here a year yet. So they are not there yet, but someday. <laughs> takes, takes time. It's baby steps, little yeah. baby steps. But it's an introduction to newness, which is so much fun as a parent or aunt or uncle who, grandparent, whatever. It's fun to just do these like discovery walks with kids. So I do like a lot of discovery stuff, like little notebooks. Like, what did we find today? You know, what, the, what tree did we see? Or what was, you know, whatever it was. It's just, you make it a game really for yeah. the little ones. Then we become more childlike for us 
because again, we get out of our frenetic mind of like all the all the to do lists, all the things we have to accomplish every day is overwhelming for all of us. So how do we become more mindful? And again, like the idea that we can just go for a walk, and when we really feel again. This is a practice for me. I've had to really feel my feet on the yes. ground, which I get to do in the sand. But here I, I'm now picking out better sneakers that let me move my toes. And so I'm, I'm much more feeling the ground. What does my body feel like when I step? And again, it also helps you understand your body and like your cadence of your body. Where do you have aches right now? Where might be some pains? And if our frenetic lifestyle is too much, we're not listening to our own bodies. That's when intuition comes in. Mm. And that's why I always talk about taking those earbuds out because our bodies are always speaking to us. It's just a matter of listening. And we so often don't listen because we're listening to everything else around us instead of our own bodies. So that intuition speaking to us about work, about family, about life. We just have to tune into our own bodies to listen to, to that gift of intuition. I love that. It's so important. And you've now mentioned the beach several times. <laughs> I and I went and visited Christine at the beach and yeah. she actually showed me your tent. Yeah. Which when yes. she first was trying to explain it to me, I was like, I'm sorry, what? There is like a decades long wait list for people to live in tents. I don't get it. I don't, can you? But then yes. I saw it and it's it's very, very different than anything <laughs> I ever could have imagined. So yeah, that's incredible. Can you please explain? Because this is and we need to know what this is like. I know it's hard. I wish I was there today to do this from there because it'd be really fun. But Except um, for the air. Except for the air. Oh my gosh, I can't even, I'm hoping the, the ocean's better for people. I'm hoping yeah. it's blowing it past, but um, yes, I can't even imagine right now because since we've been on this call, it's now gotten 10 times worse outside. I, I'm, I can't, I can't. Anyway, so the tent is really, really an interesting way to exist. So Ocean Grove was created in 1869 from a tent community. So it was established by tents and it's an old Victorian, is now an old Victorian town. And so when the tents were erected in the 1800s, there are now 114 left and we are one of the 114 left. So just so I can set the stage for people that haven't seen it, because I couldn't picture any part of this. Like, it's not like a Coleman tent pop-up, right? These are like <laughs> structured. Can you explain, please? Yes, they're real structures. So the structure is almost like a 20 foot by 20 foot tent. It's a huge tent, really big. And then it's attached to a cabin. So the cabin has a kitchen, bathroom, and living room. And there is air conditioning. There is Wi-Fi. There is running water. So we have all the luxuries that like, it's almost pretty much the same size my as my New York City apartment. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's not glamping. It's nothing like glamping. I mean, some people decorate their tents really beautifully and really go all out. But since they're only there from May 15th to September 15th is when we can live in them. So we've had it in my family for 35 years. It gets handed down from generation to generation. So it's like having a lease. So I have my, my lease and let's say I no longer want it. My little sister no longer wants it. Then it gets put on to the list for the next person that wants a tent. But again, these it's it's very hard to explain because it is a really surreal way to live and exist. And especially in this day and age, people are like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you live in a tent? But it's so, it really changes you because I'm, again, we're so connected to nature there. I get to hear, I know exactly what time of day it is by the sounds, uh, by the, which bird mm -hmm. is singing at what time. The light changes in my tent because of the time of day. So I know that there's a beautiful sunrise because my tent will become purple or pink. It's really an interesting way. And again, the community sense is one of the greatest things of all because we're, again, we're so close together, which comes with good and bad. Um, but our, our neighbors are great and everyone's very, very respectful of quiet and what time of day people start like 
getting more quiet, which is around 10 or 11 o'clock at night. But I get to wake up with the sun. There's that circadian rhythm. Mm. So when we get to rise with the sun, it really helps us sleep at night. Uh, I'm much more aware of that. So it is hard to describe, hard to explain. It's not for everybody, but it really is an enjoyable way to spend four months every year. It's amazing. It sounds amazing to me. It's fun. You are an incredible person, Jennifer. Honestly, like <laughs> I shared in the intro how we met and I was just immediately like, you're a magnet. You are uh-huh. just magnetic because there's something about you that is the real deal. It's so authentic, you know? And I think when I first heard what you do and I was like, wait, she, she walks. And then I realized <laughs> she walks and everything else is around that. That's the nucleus. She puts her money where, she, where her mouth is. She puts on her sneakers and she gets out there and she teaches us all how to slow down, to speed up. And I think that's really something that we're missing in this world today. So I thank you so much and your energy in this world. I mean, you are a hustle and bustle entrepreneur that has showed us all that slowing down actually helps you propel yourself forward in this world much more than probably any of us like to admit. So we always finish this show with one final segment. We call it, I will sing because Megan's no longer here to sing. We call it. I'm a call, but Heidi will share with you. Thanks for doing that so beautifully, Jane. So for anyone that is new tuning in, karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that is you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action, big result. I'm going to say it like I always say it. It's It's a simple, simple thing. Take your earbuds out because most people don't want to do it. Lace up your shoes. You don't have to wear like specific shoes. Simple, simple. Take your dog for a walk. Take your kids out with you. Just take your earbuds up, but be really present. Look around you and you're going to be shocked at what you find just on your block. Just look at the trees and look at like the leaves around you. Wherever, if you're in the Palm Desert, whether you're in the Northeast, the Southeast, around the world, look at your surroundings. and It changes your heart because you become more in that space of gratitude, because it's like, it's so beautiful. When the things around you are alive and flourishing, you become thankful and full of gratitude. And I want to say thank you to both of you, because I love both of your energies so much. And I met you many times, Jamie. And I know, Heidi, I think we only met once or twice, but I've always enjoyed watching you and listening to your podcast. And you guys are like the beacons of light and joy. And for all that you're doing in the world is really important. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Will you share with our audience where everybody can go to find you both online and on the gram? Sure. So the gram, I am at the Jennifer Walsh. And by the way, the the stands for the healthy entrepreneur, Jennifer Walsh. So I never knew that all these years. No one knows that. No one knows it. So it's funny when people say, oh, the Jennifer Walsh. I'm like, well, that stands for the healthy entrepreneur. I've been a 26-year entrepreneur. I've got to keep things as healthy as possible. Um, so that's my Instagram. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, the Jennifer Walsh. And my website is walkwithwalsh.com. Absolutely love, love that. Thanks for taking a walk with us here today. Since you can't walk outside, at least we got to walk down this journey <laughs> yes. together. And thanks everybody at home for taking the journey along with us today. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at off. No, that's not what I meant to say. On the gram at off the gram podcast. You think I'd get it right almost four years in, but one of these days I'll figure out how to talk. It's because you skipped last week. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm my mojo. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.